listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Well, you heard the man, and let me be the first to thank you for joining us tonight. It's that time of week we talk sports, we talk pertinent subject matter, and we talk current events. So please, pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join us for the ride. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. So go to Geico.com for a free rate quote. This was a huge week in the world of college football, and frankly, what we think we know today, we might not know next week, but we're staying on top of it, and we'll chop it up tonight with some historical perspective. In fact, our Fox Sports Radio team member, Chris Plank, he's going to hop on with us in about 10 minutes, and he'll take us behind the curtain as the Big 12 looks like they're going to give it a go. And so what do they know that the Big 10 doesn't? We'll unpack this riddle. Meanwhile, what would no college football mean for the sports books in Las Vegas? I'll share that later in the show. I've got some input from various sports book directors. And trust me, there are a lot of layers to this answer. Plus, we continue with our NFL quick hitters as, believe it or not, Opening kickoff is 26 days away. And, of course, we brainstorm with Mackinac Sports as the Hotel California League. You can check in anytime you want, but you can never leave. Well, Memphis can leave. Well, it starts for reals. The playoff starts for reals. And we're going to help you find that edge you're looking for. Some really great research from our own Mackenzie Rivers. Sports are entertainment, but they're more than that. They're a shared experience as such. People want to talk about them, so you've come to the right place. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. This is Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. And as they say in Gary Gaetti, Minnesota, it's going to be lit. All right, big news week. Big news week. Let's dissect. You know, since November of 1869, college football has been played in America every single year, even 1943 in the throes of World War II they still managed to play a college football season. Now, granted, it looked different. A ton of prominent programs, even like Alabama and Michigan State, they opted out. They didn't field teams that season. And there were huge challenges in 1943, not the least of which were things like gasoline shortages, finding able-bodied men, and fighting a world war. And it presented incredible challenges to coaches and fans and, yes, even sports writers. But they found a way to get the season on the field. They found a way. That was 1943. Ironically, UConn, the first FBS school to announce it was canceling the 2020 season, they fielded a team in that historic 1943 season. And this will be the first year that there will be no UConn football since, in fact, 1943. Now, college football in America is an institution like no other. It's not only successful, but it's influential. It's been said A college football program to universities like the front yard of a home. It's not the most important part of the home, but it's the thing you notice first when you take a look. It forms an impression. It provides a glimpse into what might be inside. If you're impressed with the front yard, you might be more curious about the home and the rest of the property. They provide context, perspective, and a framework for success and notoriety, and they represent the university. But it's more than that. College football provides a vehicle for the entire school athletes and non-athletes to enjoy the fruits of education as, let's face it, the ideological purpose of college is to prepare you to go into the world armed with knowledge, armed with experience. Now, while college football is not the sole reason for the existence of the university, the absence of college football is going to be felt significantly in far-reaching ways. College football programs generate revenue critical to sustenance, and not only do the monetary contributions help to subsidize other non-revenue operating sports, which are also important to the school, I might add, 
but they also might contribute to science laboratories and research, where who knows, a cure for COVID might be found someday. So suffice it to say, the collateral damage caused by the total absence of college football in 2020 would be devastating. Without football, billions, cost billions to colleges, NFL TV networks, local economies. What worries me most is what it will do to local college towns where multiple sectors of the economy well, they rely on college football Saturdays. In fact, it's been reported that more than 20% of the current revenue of many college towns is, in fact, related to the university's students or activities. Madison, Wisconsin, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, you get it. These, what these games bring to those cities is millions of dollars in, in weekend revenue. In fact, the 50-plus schools in the Power 5 conferences have at least $4.1 billion in fiscal year revenue tied to football. Here's where it gets dicey. Unlike professional franchises with mega-rich owners, college athletics departments, they're parts of universities. Are, frankly, they're in the midst of financial problems caused by the pandemic. Some athletic departments have reserve funds, which might get them by for a while, but a recent survey showed that 54 of the 95 respondents of 130 Division I schools don't have any money saved for a rainy day. That's not good. So for some athletic departments, this could mean furloughing or laying off employees, and it could mean negotiating or extending temporary pay reductions for head coaches. And in some cases, it could mean eliminating, eliminating entire sports. Now, we've already seen that happen. But if football cannot be played this fall, it's theorized that schools would make an attempt to stage a season in the spring. I'm not buying it. In my view, that, that idea will sink under its own weight. Football is not a contact sport. It's a collision sport. Dancing is a contact sport. Can you really ask 18 to 21-year-olds to play two full seasons in the same calendar year? Plus, games in the spring would be less valuable to the advertisers who use the third and fourth quarters of the calendar year in the fall to build promotions and momentum for the holiday shopping season. Did you forget about that? I know the calendar's wacky this year. We're almost to Labor Day. There's also attendance to consider. Even in a spring scenario, stadium capacities might be heavily limited by social distancing considerations. We're just kicking the can down the field. How about we do this? Let's deal with the here and now. I don't want to look ahead to spring and create problems that don't exist yet and try to solve. That's a fool's errand. The good news, by Wednesday midday, there might be a light at the end of the tunnel. As I said, Wednesday on midday, the ACC, Big 12, and Southeastern Conference, they all had publicly broken with the Big 10 and Pac-12, and they reinforced their desire to to play beginning next month. And so for the officials in the SEC, the Big 12, and the ACC, the collective home, by the way, of 14 of the last 15 national champions in football, salvaging a season is one path to deliver on what they pledge to their players by generating the hundreds of millions of shared dollars that keep these athletic departments, including low-profile sports, afloat. Now, it's too soon to say what the implications are going to be. But the reason I'm for it is because not only will not playing cause cause far more collateral damage, in my opinion, but since people want to constantly quote the medical community, since when did the medical community become a monolith? They don't agree. They, they disagree more than you really think. So which side are you really quoting? Frankly, I see lots of disagreement on many subjects in the medical community, including the COVID saga. So let me reiterate. When did the medical community become a monolith? Doctors often don't agree, which is why we still might see 
some conferences play in the fall. Coming up, we're going to talk to a gentleman who has his finger on the pulse in the heart of Big 12 country, and I've been looking forward to having him on the show for quite a while. By the way, big announcement. Because we were all robbed of March Madness this year, Fox Sports Radio has created our first-ever NBA Playoffs Bracket Challenge. That's right. It's time for the NBA Bracket Time Playoffs. Go to foxsportsradio.com right now or at any point over the weekend to fill out your NBA Playoffs Bracket. You'll compete against Fox Sports Radio hosts like me and fellow listeners. And the winning bracket gets a free Westinghouse 50-inch Roku TV. So check out Fox Sports Radio to fill out your NBA playoffs bracket. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted. So don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! The great Bernie Fratto, folks. Yes, 43 years ago today, try that again in English, 43 years ago today, Elvis Aaron Presley departed our planet. A moment of silence. All right, let's welcome in a gentleman I've been looking forward to visiting with. You hear him every Sunday night from 8 to 11 p.m. Pacific time right here on Fox Sports Radio with Arnie Spanier, and he's a fixture on the airwaves for Sports Talk AM 1400 in Oklahoma City, in addition, of course, to his charter membership with the Oklahoma football Mount Rushmore. Let's say hello to Chris Plain. Chris, how are you, buddy? Bernie, what's going on, man? I'm really pumped to uh, be on with you tonight and what's been, I don't know, arguably an historic and almost depressing week for college football. And I agree with all those adjectives. So let's start at the top, Chris, and work backward. What were the factors that the Big 12 considered in deciding to play on the heels of the Big 10 and Pac-12 decision the day before? Well, it was just in in what their experts are telling them. And I think today, uh, Ross Dellinger and Pat Forty did a really nice job in kind of laying out in Sports Illustrated the differences and what – the, the Big 12 has taken into consideration what the ACC and the SEC, and then, of course, the Pac-12 and the Big 10. You know, it's just in a lot of ways, the Big 12, there's no guarantee we're going to play a season right now, Bernie. But in a lot of ways, it's we haven't been told to stop. And in what I've been able to kind of put together from what the Pac-12 and the Big 10 has done, a lot of their thoughts have been presumptive. And if the season were to start today, well, I, I truly believe, and I cover the Big 12 closer than the ACC and the SEC, so what I've seen is a conference that says, listen, we're going to continue to do what we're doing. I think every school has some incredible protocols in place. I can personally speak to what Oklahoma has put together. And with the myocarditis concerns that have now suddenly sprung up, which have been there since day one, if you've been paying attention to this, Bernie, and I know you have been, but uh, Oklahoma already had testing in place. And when the Big 12 said, hey, we're going to add EKGs and you know thorough blood testing for any heart muscle ailments for those who have COVID-19 and experienced symptoms, well, as it stands right now, you know the Big 12 hasn't been told, hey, don't do this. And so from that perspective, instead of trying to assume what it's going to be like in about, you know, two or three weeks from now, they said, hey, let's just let's continue to forge on. You know, there was a lot of unknown. The Big 12 hadn't released a schedule yet. So they said, let's go. 
You know, let's let's continue on our path that we're going. You know, Kansas State had a breakout whenever it first, uh, whenever they first started camp. Texas Tech did too. But what happened? They they were able to get it under control, mitigate it, and they're all back practicing right now towards the start of a season, which for most teams looks like it's going to be September 12th. Those are all excellent points. Clemson had a breakout of 37, and I think yeah. everything's okay there. I like I, Chris, I'm glad you brought up the myocarditis situation, and I'm not making light of it. However, there were 3.1 million cases of myocarditis in 2017. So that was long before COVID. And I understand it's also brought on by bacterial infections, mono, the sinusitis, why that became a thing. But I'm glad you brought it up. I'll tell you why. Because since May, Chris, it's been one thing after another. There's been an ongoing debate ever since Mark Schlissel, the president of Michigan, said, we're not going to have fans this year. And he said it back in May. Well, wait a minute. Now. Then Isn't that a little early? So what yeah. I like to do, Chris, is, um, is unpack some echo chamber narratives that I'd like to get your viewpoint on from your perspective and a global perspective from the Big 12. So number one, quote, you can't play football on the field if there are no students on campus. Where do you weigh in on that? Well, I, I, first of all, I think there's always students on campus. I mean, I, I and again, I know that that might be a bit of a cop out, but there's always somebody on campus, right? And honestly, I, I've done a bit of a 180 on this, Bernie, because we used to have the debate about what is the definition of open. You know, how many times have we had to define things? You know, I'm old enough to remember whenever we were debating what the definition of is is, and now it's okay. Well, what's truly open? And you know, I thought, hey, it's key to get everyone back on campus to show that we're going to have to live with this. But, I mean, think about Texas. Let's let's use the University of Texas, for example. Do you know what the latest numbers in Austin are as far as the percentage of on-campus, uh, just regular student population that will be taking on-campus classes? It's 5%. So, ba- and, and by the way, Texas isn't a school of like two or 3,000, okay? This is a massive university in a massive city. So I saw that number, and I used to think, oh, my gosh, you've got to get students back on campus. You, you've got to have your, your your regular day-to-day operations going so you can show this is normal. Now I kind of think, why do you want that? Get as few kids on campus as possible. I mean, for the most part, Texas athletics is going to have a bubble. It's going to have 5% of, I don't know, I don't know the actual uh, enrollment off the top of my head. It's probably more than 10 grand at the University of Texas. But you're going to have 5% of that and then student athletes. I mean, that's, that's essentially a bubble that you would have. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, uh, Princeton and, and the Ivy Leagues are all doing virtual learning. Bernie, I'm a firm believer that you can have student athletes playing their sports beyond just football, volleyball, soccer, any of the other, you know, 20 fall sports beyond those, 19 fall sports beyond those three. And I think you can have a season because, you know, in all reality, let's focus on football here. That's what everyone cares about. I mean, we're talking about a financial necessity for these schools. So, you know, I've I've flip-flopped on this quite a bit, but I'm a firm believer that, yeah, you can absolutely, absolutely have a season if you don't have everyone on campus. And 50,950 was the enrollment. So I was just a little bit off, Bernie. 5% of 50,950 for the University of Texas. Talking with Chris Plank, our own teammate here at Fox Sports Radio, as well as Sports Talk Game 1400 in Oklahoma City. 
clearly has his finger on the pulse of Oklahoma athletics in the Big 12. You mentioned something, students on campus were in agreement. Isn't it presumed that if the students are on campus and the players remain on campus and they work out and go through their normal routines, they're just not going to be able to play on Saturdays? What have we really accomplished? Right. I mean, listen, here's the thing is I have been and I, and I know our buddy Aaron Torres, who was on with uh, Arnie just before this here on Fox Sports Radio. I know Aaron's been fired up about this. If you're going to tell me that it's safe to have kids on campus, but you don't think it's safe to play football and then you're still going to play intramurals. Listen, I get it. I understand it that maybe we're maybe we're having a debate that's kind of apples and oranges, but we're all in the fruit aisle whenever it comes to this conversation right now. And. I just I, I guess I don't understand why you would say something along the lines of, yeah, we're going to try to get, you know, 50 to 60,000 students back on campus. But, oh, no, no, no. We don't want you in that, you know, every other day testing. And I, I, I went and really dorked out today, Bernie. I went and read through the Pac-12 medical findings and kind of what they went through. And it, and it really is amazing. I've learned a lot this week because. You know, the debates in the medical world and in the science world are a lot like sports radio debates. And I never knew this. I always thought, right. oh, they say this and that's what it is. But that's not the case, man. That it, it, they, they have a differing of opinions all over the place. And we're seeing that play out in college sports. But I just I guess from my perspective, I don't understand why you would say, hey, Let's make sure we get our students back on campus. Let's make sure we get these kids living. And, you know, I don't know if you guys have talked about it yet tonight, Bernie. I've been on pretty much since the top. But at Oklahoma State, they had a breakout of, I think it's like 23 sorority members. And that's not them going to a party. That's just being together. You know, campuses aren't really truly open yet. You know, they've had sorority rush and fraternity rush and classes for the University of Oklahoma start in about, I think, what, a couple of days. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, to to me, that increased risk is concerning. But the Pac-12 thing was all about testing. That was it. There was no myocarditis mentioned. It was all about testing. And I think that you're seeing that we are starting to develop more efficient ways to accomplish our testing protocols and and get that through. And, you know, we just talked about everyone back on campus, but there's not a single place. And we can debate this if it's right or wrong. But, Bernie, there's not a, a single place where there's more efficient and consistent testing than there is in the athletic facilities, especially when we're talking football. And for the record, I'd like to say I can congratulate you and the other two conferences for giving this a shot because, as you just alluded to, Chris, the medical community has never been a monolith. So when people want to pontificate about listening to science, they're not all in agreement, so they're picking their spots, which leads to my second groupthink echo chamber narrative that drove me nuts over the last 90 days, and I'd like you to comment on this. Sure. Quote, if other fall sports are canceled, Non-revenue sports, why is it okay for revenue-producing sports to play, but non-revenue sports are too unsafe? Well, because we need money, Bernie. Come on, know, man. I, it's not me. <laughs> I know there's a temptation to kill the messenger. I swear to God. I'm on your side. Uh, no, I, I, I completely understand where you're coming from. I was having a debate with a friend of mine just yesterday. You know, there's still, as we sit here, not, I mean, what, it was August 16th. You know, as we sit here on August 16th, you know, there's still this idea that you're going to play volleyball and you're going to play soccer. But our debate was, is it worth it if there is no fall championship as the end game? But bottom line here, football pays the bills for everything. And is that a broken model? Maybe. But how are we going to fix it? You know, what what's going to 
come and step up. It, it, it's just there's nothing on the horizon. You look across college football and college sports in general, and college football pays the bills. I, and it's funny to me because you were talking about, you know, hey, three of the five power conferences. Let's expand that. Let, I, I know you're big on numbers. Let's expand that. Six of the ten. Six, the power five plus the group of five, six of those 10. Now, listen, I was a C student, but, and I know 60% isn't a majority, but still that's, that that's a pretty good number. And of the six teams, I think off the top of my head that are considered independent, three of those are still playing too. And UConn would be playing if those dopes didn't owe money to the American athletic conference, because they thought that they could be independents. Right? So I, I think we sit here and ever, and I, I saw that, um, I, I praised Sports Illustrated earlier. We'll crush him now. They called him the stubborn six. Well, how about, you know, the majority six, that are trying to do this right now. I mean, the bottom line is there is an incredible debate to be had, and we're having it right now in the sports radio world, in the medical world, in the science world, between trying to live with this virus, Bernie, and then also trying to take care of our mental health and trying to take care of our day-to-day lives. I mean, if we just tap out and say, yeah, we can't play, well, you know, the, that is just an incredible burden on the mental well-being of so many student-athletes. And, you know, we can debate whether or not that's right or wrong for so many guys like myself who need this for their for their empl- employment, for their sanity. And it's just it's kind of interesting to me. And, and I, I, I don't know the right or wrong right now. I'm not a doctor. I'm a sports radio guy that thankfully gets to sit here and talk with you about it. And I just I, I, I usually tend to err on the side of let's give it a shot. What good is it punting, you know, in early August? We got time. We've got time. Not a lot, but we've got time. Let's continue to see how this thing progresses. And yeah, bottom line here, well, why worry about well, because we need to make sure that you brought it up in the open, the money for the cities, the the small communities, the money for the universities, everything feeds off football. You're telling the truth, and that's a reality, and it might be an inconvenient truth for some people. And I'm glad you referenced UConn. A cynical person might say they canceled their program because they lost $14 million last year, and they would have lost more this year. Fortunately, I'm not a cynical person. <laughs> We're wrapping up with Chris Plank. Chris, really covering a lot of good ground, and I like your, your reference to the fact that there could be more collateral damage caused if they don't play. So I've got final question for you, a two-parter. One uh, what is the contingency plan if there is an outbreak? And two, 1A, 1B, Missouri State is there September 12th. Right. Do you expect that game to be played? Uh, okay, let's let's go with the second question first. Yes, I expect uh, Missouri State to be played September 12th. They'll play that game. And then, Bernie, Missouri State will hang it up for uh, about six months, and then they'll try to play their Missouri Valley Conference season. And what would that be, like March? Um, our February, I, I mean, do we even have a plan for spring football yet? Everything looks real cute, what they're saying and what they're trying to lay out, but nobody seems to have a plan. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're going to play September 12th. Um, what is the plan for an outbreak? I think it's going to be very similar to what you're seeing in Major League Baseball. And I'm not saying that they're going to mimic everything that Major League Baseball is doing, but the only way that I think you could see college football say – 
we're done, we're not going to be able to finish this is if they don't even get started. Um, or if you have, um, you know, 25 plus breakouts for a team. I mean, I can, I can only speak to the radio side of things just in kind of thinking about the way that we're preparing. You know, we're talking about maybe traveling an extra play-by-play guy, you know, just in case our guy goes down or gets sick. You know, football has a little bit of a benefit because they have an 80-person roster. So college football that is. So I, if there are breakouts, I think you're going to see the flexibility in the schedules um, main, used. And in other words, let's say I, this is a great example that's been used quite a bit. Oklahoma is getting ready to play Texas. Texas has a massive breakout. All right. They have like uh, 20 to 25 people who have tested positive. They got a quarantine. All right. You, you push that game down. You play that game later in the season, and then Oklahoma gets that extra bye week, and then they'll play their next game. So in other words, the key word here to making sure you get your schedule in is the F word and not the bad one. It's flexibility, Bernie. And as long as as long as what we've talked about from day one, 18 to 23 to 24-year-old young men and women can follow protocols, which is a challenge, and it goes against everything I wanted to do at that age, everything you wanted to do, everything Perfet, everything that uh, Finley, everything that Eric Roberts wanted to do at that age. We need college student-athletes for a stretch here to live a very boring life. And if they do that, I think we've got a very good chance to get a full fall college football season in. Chris, thanks so much for coming on. Great stuff tonight, buddy. We'll hear you tomorrow night, 8 to 11 Pacific, with Arnie Spanier. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Bernie. Have a great show, buddy. Thanks. That is Chris Plank. You hear him every Sunday night, 8 to 11, with Arnie Spanier here on Fox Sports Radio and 1400 in Oklahoma City on weekdays. Coming up, what would the lack of college football do to the sports books in Las Vegas? Well, we'll tell you. But first... Let's go to the man whose updates are so thoughtful, so entertaining, <laughs> they make us temporarily forget about man's inhumanity to man. It's Brian Finley <laughs> with the latest. Wow, Bernie, how do I live up to that intro? Stipe Miocic has become a juggernaut against Daniel Cormier. Miocic prevails over Cormier for... A third time, this one for the heavyweight title at UFC 252 by unanimous decision. After the fight, Cormier retired. He also admitted he's having trouble seeing out of his left eye after essentially getting eye gouged in the third round. In baseball, the Dodgers notch a sack fly in the 10th to demonize the Angels 6-5. Mike Trout hits a home run. The Rangers go a game over 500 after flushing down the Rockies 6-4. The Padres barf late with a runner thrown out at the plate in the ninth as the Diamondbacks hang on 7-6. The Washington football team is taking quarterback Alex Smith off the physically unable to perform list on Sunday and clearing him for competition. This according to multiple outlets. Smith overcoming a a brutal leg injury and an ensuing laborious rehab, including 17 surgeries. His recovery saw him nearly have his leg amputated and even put his life in jeopardy at one point. The Portland Trailblazers bag the last available playoff seed in the NBA bubble, the eighth spot, after guzzling down the Memphis Grizzlies 126-122 in Saturday's play-in game. Portland begins their first-round playoff series with with the one-seeded Lakers on Tuesday night. And finally, in the NHL first round 
playoff games continuing on Saturday. The Golden Knights shimmy past the Blackhawks 2-1 to go up 3-0 in their best of seven series. And the Lightning take a 2-1 series advantage after taking a crowbar to the Blue Jackets 3-2. Now back to Bernie Fratto, our guy, the man that runs Vegas. No one else does it as good as him. Back to you. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Brian. That's my Elvis lawyer there. <laughs> yeah. 43 years ago today. All right. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. Well, what does it mean for the Las Vegas sports books if there's no college football? Well, when the Big Ten and Pac-12 announced that they were canceling their season, I refuse to use the word postponed because I'll believe a spring season when I see it. The immediate knee-jerk reaction was that if you go based on last year's numbers, that the sports books could face a $50 million hit, which means it's about a 30% hit. Now, as you start to unpack this and you realize that, wait a minute now, if the NFL moves some of their games to Saturday, which they say they would, well, the that's going to absorb a lot of the handle, believe it or not, quite a bit of the handle. And that handle can be made up. But then the news got slightly better when it was announced that the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 said they were still going to play. And in a typical year, the SEC and the Big 12 and the ACC, well, they make up almost 60% of the total handle. So that's pretty significant. And when you consider that some of the most popular teams, the most the top five teams that draw the most volume of bets, four of them are in conferences that are still planning on playing. Alabama, Clemson, LSU, and Oklahoma. In fact, 11 of the top 20 teams, which would account for 60% of that handle, they're still planning on playing. And here's where it gets even more interesting. If the NFL takes up root on Saturdays this year, and I expect them to if there's a reduced college schedule, then... I don't think they're giving that day of the week back, uh, the week of the, last time I ran a tongue from that place. I don't think they give that day of the week back when 2021 rolls around. They're going to keep that day of the week. Maybe they'll just play one game. Maybe it's a Saturday night game, but they'll play a game, and that handle will be significant because it will be a, a standalone game. So the truth of the matter is, while it, it initially looked not great for the Las Vegas sports books. I think a lot of that handle can be absorbed and, frankly, made up in future years if the shifting of the schedule occurs. Let's hope we get college football on the field in some form or fashion this year. And talking to Chris Plank, I think the Big 12 has a very forward-thinking approach, and they're not making their decisions based on fear, and they're not holding mental pictures of what they don't want to happen. They're dealing with the here and now, and they're going to navigate through this as best we can. And I, I think they're going to be able to pull it off. So let's see what happens. Speaking of pulling it off, it's hard to believe we're 26 days away from NFL kickoff. And by the way, the funny story this week was Seattle rookie Kima Siverand, I, I know I just destroyed that name. What does it matter? He probably doesn't want his name out there. He was cut this week because he tried to sneak a team, in, <laughs> tried to sneak a woman into the team hotel during the COVID nineteen lockdown. And what did he do? He dressed her in Seahawks apparel in an effort to disguise her. What he should have done is dressed up as Russell Wilson because I don't think they'd have cut Russell Wilson. All right. I digress. By the way, I want to I want to digress to something we talked about with with Arnie and Aaron before baseball started. One of the more interesting baseball props you could bet 
would somebody hit 800 or hit 400 this year? And the odds were yes, plus 800, no, uh, minus 1400, which means there's about a 7% probability you have to have at least 186 plate appearances. Well, guess what? There are two players, one of them, Charlie Blackman. He's currently hitting 447, and the Yankees, Blackman plays for the Colorado Rockies, and and, and uh, DJ LeMahieu, who plays for the Yankees, he's currently batting 411. So there's a chance, by the way, in case you forgot, Mate uh, LeMahieu had COVID, so he was able to recover, and he's hitting 411. Speaking of Seattle, here's a couple of tidbits if you want to bet. Get this down in your notes because we are going to have the NFL. Seahawks beware. The 12-win Seahawks last year, their collective margin of victory in 2019 was 5.6 points while outscoring their opponents by only seven total overall points on the season. Remember, they won a lot of close games. And they got they got some breaks and took advantage of them. 11 of their 12 wins came by eight or fewer points. Expect that to regress back to the mean this year. You might want to fade Seattle. Meanwhile, the Chargers, Lions, and Redskins, what do they all have in common last year? It's worth noting, by the way, they all had in common. They didn't win a game in their division. They all went 0-6 in their division games last year. However, if you go back 20 years, teams that go Ulfer in their division the following season, they're a tidy 100 and 60, 100 wins, 69 losses against the spread in division games the following year. So that's what, about 70%. So look for the Lions, Chargers, and Redskins to uh, correct that situation. And they might be a play on this year. And certainly in the Lions case, you're going to be getting them as a dog quite a bit. Hard to believe, 26 days away. In the following weeks, we're going to dive into the NFL a little bit more because we do have a lot of research and a lot of uh, you know vignettes like this to share with you so you can find that edge. And I've got a couple, three, four pages of notes of them, just haven't had time to get to them. And it's hard to think, you know, it's hard to picture things right now because we would be in the middle of the preseason had nothing, none of this happened. So the calendar's got us all sort of, you know, out of sorts. But here's some good news. Because we were all robbed of March Madness this year, Fox Sports Radio has created our first ever NBA Playoffs Bracket Challenge. That's right. It's bracket time for the NBA Playoffs. So go to foxsportsradio.com right now or at any point over the weekend and fill out your NBA Playoffs Bracket. You'll compete against Fox Sports Radio hosts like me and fellow listeners like my man Chewy in Houston. And while winning, and, and by the way, the winning bracket gets a free Westinghouse 50-inch Roku TV. So check out FoxSportsRadio.com and fill out your NBA playoffs bracket. Coming up, you know him, you love him, you can't live without him. He's got some fantastic research as we have real playoffs in the NBA bubble, commonly known as the Hotel California League. Yes, you can check out any time you want, but you can never leave unless you're the Memphis Grizzlies. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight out of Vegas! One of the best in the business, Bernie Fratto. We are back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. You know him, you live him, you can't live without him. It's Mackenzie Rivers, and it's time for Mackinac Sports. And Mackenzie, I'm excited about tonight's segment because we've got real live 
playoffs, real live NBA playoffs, and I tip of the cap. The bubble's been a lot of fun. Let's start with the hometown boys, the L.A. Clippers. They've kind of become a fan favorite. They take on Dallas and Luka. I don't think this is going to be much of a series, frankly. Don't look now, but a couple of the sharper books here in town and across the world have installed the L.A. Clippers as the new title favorites, hopping over the Bucks and the Lakers. I think they're an elite team, they're deep, and they are perfectly tailor-made to beat a team like Luka Doncic's Dallas Mavericks. Perfectly. Well said, McKenzie. Look, I heard some walk on national radio. I don't know who would forget it. Some fine gentleman say, oh boy, Dallas, they, they, they could trip them up. Really? They were giving up 110 points during the regular season. They're giving up 126 in the bubble. I don't think they should let kids under 16 into these games. And since there's not going to be fans, it's not going to matter. Let's move along. Indiana-Miami is actually going to be a harder-fought series. Yeah, great coaches on both sides. And Nate McMillan and Eric Spolstra, you got two elite wings. But I kind of have to say that with a stretch for T.J. Warren. He's a decent wing. He's improving. I know we put up like 40 points a game through the first four games. But I think Jimmy Butler is kind of serious when he says he's not on my level. I think that matchup will define the series. And I think Miami wins easy. Really interesting. Okay, well, they're, they're a dangerous team. Portland and the Lakers. Portland's become the darling. you got to love what Dame Lillard's done. Carmelo's found the fountain of youth. And how about C.J. McCollum looking into the camera today saying, he can't guard me, expletive <laughs> deleted. He I was thought, talking. He, they say he, he's got a broken back. Well, I'll tell I know, you what. Right? He broke Ja Morant's ankles. How in, in one breath you're going to say you can't guard me? Oh, my back hurts. I'm an old man. Okay, C.J. McCollum. Thank you for cashing my over ticket on you, over 22 and a half points. I know you were kind of a little fugazi with that, oh, my back hurts. You had a bad game against the Mavericks. It's okay. You're a decent player. But this is all about Dame Lillard. The Lakers don't have anybody that can guard him. Rondo's out. Bradley's out. Upset alert, Bernie. I'm telling you, the Portland Blazers in six shock the L.A. Lakers. The Lakers don't have any offense right now. Yes, they don't, the Blazers don't have anybody to guard LeBron, and I think the Blakers don't have one single person that wants anything to stay in front of Dame Lillard. I think we see a shootout, an upset alert. The number one seed goes down for only the sixth time in NBA history, in my personal opinion. Fair enough. Okay, I respect your opinion. I, I do think they have a puncher's chance, not much of a puncher's chance. Portland just simply doesn't play defense. That's true. But they do shoot threes. Right. And the Lakers don't shoot threes, and they don't defend threes. And here's the thing. Let's say, let's say you're right, and I agree with you. The Blazers don't play any defense. The Lakers can't make it when they're open. If they can't make it when they're open, it doesn't really right. matter how bad the defense is. You're not wrong. And so looking ahead, they're going to have to correct that. Uh, Utah-Denver is another series. I kind of like the sixth seed here. Utah, your thoughts? If this was six months ago, it would be a pick series. I don't think the Jazz are that much worse than they were back in the middle of the season. All right, Philadelphia, Boston. Philadelphia is beat up. I think this is Boston's year to make some noise. You can't you can't guard Embiid straight up, but you can double and triple team them. That's another favorite with Miami that I think I like. You can throw on a parlay. Orlando and Milwaukee. Do they even need to play that series? <laughs> uh, here's the bet for you: Milwaukee sweep plus one ten. And here's the stat for you: the Magic against teams above five hundred only covering thirty percent of the games. They've been terrible against expectations when facing an elite team like the Bucks. I know they were only three and five in the in the bubble so far, but I think they sweep them four zero. All right, you've got three quick best bets. Why don't you hammer those out? Yes, and I just mentioned the Bucks sweep the Magic. That's plus one ten right now. That's all you're getting, basically even money. To enforce, I think they'll probably do it though. I mean, it's they're going to be ten point favorites in each one. The, the math works out. Yeah, 
it, it's more of a play on, on the Bucks like matchup advantage versus the Magic. And here's the parlay I was talking about. We're going to take the Clippers minus 560, throw the Celtics on that, throw the Heat on that. It all adds out to be an even money bet. I like that bet. And with the Clippers especially, here's the better bet for you. Even better, Clippers minus one and a half games. So if they win the series and it doesn't go seven, you cash. That's minus 150 right now. That's easy money. And here's the last one for you. Less, yes, I said it. Upset alert. Upset of the century. Portland plus 350 takes down the Lakers. You heard it here first. All right. So next Saturday, we'll be able to recap that. I really like that three-team parlay. I just cannot picture the Clippers. Me neither. Fa- yeah. I cannot picture the Clippers falling to Dallas at all or Boston losing to Philly. Miami looks solid unless T.J. Warren does something stupid, right? <laughs> but I think for the most part, no court, you know, no home court advantage. I think that favors the better teams. Yes, right, exactly. And Miami's one of the better teams. Really good stuff, McKenzie. And this will be fun to follow next week. That's Mackinac Sports. McKenzie Rivers does a lot of great research here for Straight Out of Vegas, not only for our Saturday show, uh, but for the weekday shows with R.J. Bell and Steve Fezzik and Jonas Knox as well. By the way, uh, I want to thank my crew back in Los Angeles for all the hard work they do. Brian Finley, Chris Perfett, and Eric Roberts, thanks so much, guys. We could not do this show without your dedication. I also want to thank Chris Plank for coming on tonight. I really enjoy Chris. Catch him tomorrow night, 8 to 11 Pacific, with Arnie Spanier. Always a great Sunday night listen. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Straight Out of Vegas. I'm Bernie Fratto. Next up, keep it locked, the man from Nashville who brings it strong. It's the Jason Martin Show. Straight out of Vegas!